Welcome to the More Sure Word Podcast with Pastor Matt Russell, teaching and explaining the Word of God verse by verse for your spiritual growth. Here's Pastor Matt with today's sermon. All right, let's pray together. Father, Son, Spirit, God, three in one. We are so humbled by you. Father, we thank you that you chose to set your love upon us from eternity past. Lord Jesus, we praise and thank you that you came into time, became a man and lived for us, died for us, rose for us, that we may be saved through you by faith. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your residence within us that you gave us new life, new birth, that you've sealed us for glory. We cannot be snatched away because of you, and you're keeping us. And we also thank you that you are the spirit of truth, and you illumine the scriptures to us, that we may understand them, that they may be a light unto us. And so we ask now that you would do that work, that you would help us to understand your words, that you would lead us into the truth so that we may become more like Christ and we may live for his glory. We may be better witnesses in this world, have a greater understanding to proclaim the truth to a world in darkness. We pray because Christ is our high priest sitting at the right hand of God. So we come to the throne of grace because of him and we ask in his name. Amen. Please open your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4. We continue our study through the letter of 1 John in chapter 4, verses 4 to 6. And I've titled this section of Scripture, our our message tonight, Tuned In to Truth. Tuned In to Truth. But after the fact, I thought, that's kind of outdated. You tune into a radio, but no one listens to radio anymore. So maybe you could say this is subscribed to the truth or following the truth or something like that. Because the reality is, is we live in an information age. We live in an age like no other. So much information, so much content, so many opinions and theories and philosophies, you name it, etc., etc., is so easily accessible to us like no other time in history. Allow me to illustrate this for you. YouTube has 30 million visitors a day. 30 million. They have 5 billion videos watched every single day. That's right, I said B, billion. Twitter has 6,000 tweets upload per second. 6,000 a second. That's 500,000 a day. Instagram has 95 million photos and videos uploaded every day. Facebook has 1.28 billion people log in each day. That's over an eighth of the world. And they have 4.75 billion pieces of information uploaded every day. Google has 3.5 billion searches every single day. That's 1.2 trillion searches every year. And the point of all of this is not to say that 
all of this content and information and searching is evil. But the point is, is that there's an astronomical Goliath, humongous amount of information, pictures, videos, ideas, opinions, theories, philosophies, truth claims, goals, aspirations, you name it, being put out into our reach, into our homes, onto our screens, at our fingertips, into our minds, down into our hearts, every single day. And how? How is one to sort through all of this? How is one to discern what is true from what is false? How is one to know what is good versus what is evil? Some is more blatantly obvious, but much is not so obvious. Much is desperately deceptive. Fishing hooks with tantalizing bait covering it up. And oftentimes we are bombarded with information and content from all points in all different ways and do not put up a fight. So much passes through our minds and our hearts without the slightest measure of testing its validity. Who are you viewing and listening to most? What are you consuming day after day? Has it been put to the test? Does it stand as pure gold? And even if we try to flee to the safety of purely, quote-unquote, Christian influences in the world of Christianity as a whole, even there, there are false teachers. There are infiltrators. There are deceivers. Wolves in sheep's clothing trying to lead us astray. It's just as it was in John's day. He was protecting the beloved Christians there, calling them to stop believing everything they heard, to check the messenger to see if he is of God, to compare the message that they bring to the scriptures. But even the Christians in Asia Minor, and even us today, may wonder, can I fail to discern my way out of the faith? Is it possible for me to be led astray out of Christianity? And how do I know that I'm rightly discerning the truth? How do I know even now if I'm following the spirit of truth or the spirit of this world? Or how can I possibly dodge all of these false prophets, these false teachers? How will I do this on my own? And John, the loving pastor that he is, commanding them to be discerning as we saw last week, then comes in with pastoral assurance and encouragement in verses 4 through 6. And here's his answer. Read with me. Verse 4. You are from God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. They are from the world. Therefore they speak as from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. He who knows God listens to us, and he who is not from God does not listen to us. 
By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. In this passage before us, John sets forward three encouragements, three encouragements to assure us of the spiritual teacher we're following. Three comforts to help us see that we truly are following the spirit of truth, not the spirit of error. And you would think that John would want to lead up to the greatest encouragement, the greatest triumph, the greatest comfort, but he doesn't. He wastes no time. Right off the bat, he brings the most encouraging truth to assure our hearts, to put us at ease, to bring us security. He launches into the most triumphant one, and we find it in verse 4. Here's the encouragement. You have defeated the deceivers. You have defeated the deceivers. Look at verse 4 again. You are from God, little children, and have overcome them. You have overcome them. You, little children, you have overcome them. The writing here in the Greek, the you is emphatic. He, he wants to draw their attention to the you. You, in contrast to the false teachers, in contrast to the worldly people, you Christians, you little children, you my children in the faith, you children of God, you have overcome them. You are from God. Notice that in verse 4. You are from God. And he's speaking here of origin. He's speaking here of who our Father is. Which is to say that you are born of God. God gave you a new birth. It's as Jesus said in John chapter 3, that the Spirit has birthed you from above. You're a new creation. You had a second birth. You're of a completely different kind than the world, you could say. Because you are in Christ. You are from God. God is your Father. So what, John? How does this help me? How does this encourage me? Look at what he says. And have overcome them. And have overcome them. Overcome. A war word. War language. To overcome. To defeat. To conquer. To demolish. And what does he, how does he write this? What's so special about this? He's not saying you will overcome. No. He says, you have overcome. Past tense. You've already defeated them. And who's the them? The false teachers. The reference goes back to the people he had just been talking about in verses 1 through 3. These false teachers. You have defeated them. You have conquered them. You say, John, how is that possible? I don't remember overcoming, defeating, dominating Overcoming false teachers, false prophets. The believers in Asia Minor would be like, what are you talking about, John? We're in the middle of the battle right now. We don't know which way to go. He says, no, you have overcome them. What? How? Look at what he says in verse 4. Because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. There's the key. The Spirit of God is already in you. 
the Spirit of God has already taken up residence in you. Which is to say, you must have received a new birth. For the Spirit to live in you, you must be a new creation. You must be united to Christ. All of these evidences that John has been listing out in 1 John that are true of the real, genuine Christian, they must be true of you. Because you have the Spirit of God within you. And greater is He who is in you than he who is in the world. You used to be in the world if you're a Christian. You were under the control of Satan. You can either be in the kingdom of light or the kingdom of darkness. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2. Satan is the prince of the power of the air, of whom all of us formerly in our former manner of life, apart from Christ, we served him, whether we knew it or not. And you don't have to be a Satanist to serve the purposes of Satan. All of us were rebels of God, living in the lust of our flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life, right? 1 John 2, 15-17, we saw that. That's what the world system is. It's a world system of evil warring against the campaign of God. To bring people into His kingdom. To make image bearers of His Son Christ. To save them from their sins. No, we were all enslaved to sin. Followers of Satan, warring against God, loving ourselves, loving our lusts, loving our pleasures, buying into the ideas, the philosophies, the theories of the world. We were in this war campaign. We were taking up the weapons of the world and fighting against God at every point that we could fight Him. Enslaved to Him. And John is saying, like Elijah, who put 350 prophets of Baal to the knife, and slayed every single one of them on Mount Carmel, utterly destroying these idol worshipers. He's saying, you have destroyed the false prophets of the world. Again, you say, how, John? Because when you came to the knowledge of the truth, when the Spirit of God breathed new life into you, when you came to the truth of Christ, when you turned from your old life of sin, when you put your back on it, you overcame the false teachers. You overcame the false behaviors of the world. You overcame ungodliness, unholiness, and you turned to truth. You turned, turned to the Holy One. The Spirit of God came down from heaven. He breathed new life in you. He released you from the chains of your king, Satan. He knocked the swords of, these, of this world out of your hand. He gave you legs to run to the true king in his kingdom and grasp at his feet by faith. And he handed you the, sport, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, to live by it. He transferred you from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. And if you are in Christ, and the reality is, is you have already overcome the world by faith in Christ. And John's saying, remember that. Take courage in that. And the effects are ongoing. When the, when the temptations of the world, when the philosophies of the world come to turn you back to your old master again, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. The Spirit of God empowers us to turn to the Word of God and overcome them once again. 
If you are from God, then you already overcome the world. If you have overcome, it's because the Holy Spirit is within you. The Holy Spirit is stronger than the devil. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Godhead, which is to say the Holy Spirit is fully God. God is all-powerful. Therefore, the Holy Spirit is all-powerful. The devil has no power, no power over the Holy Spirit. Satan tries to cling to his minions of rebellion. He tries to hold people in these fortresses of deception, these worldly ideas, these worldly philosophies. He even tries to captivate Christians to serve him once again through sin and lust and temptation and greed and hypocrisy and selfishness. You name it. The Holy Spirit tramples over the devil devil, with the word of God. He takes the spirit of truth and cleaves the devil's hand off of us, releasing his grip upon us. What a great assurance. What a great encouragement. There is no lie, no error, no worldly philosophy, no worldly lust, No worldly behavior, no worldly teacher who can ever overpower us because we have the Spirit within us and the Word of God which He inspired. We simply trust in His power. You stand with this King, King Christ, King Jesus Christ. Are you in His kingdom? Has the Spirit given you new life? Have you already overcome the lies of the world and turned to the truth of God? Are you doing battle with the ones that are still tempting you to turn to your old master? Or are they utterly defeating you at every turn? Remember this amazing reality. Take courage in it. Stand upon it. Take up the sword of the Spirit once again. Turn to the Word of God. And use the truth to overcome the lies of these deceivers. As if this wasn't enough. As if this wasn't triumphant enough. As if this wasn't an encouragement enough for us. John continues. And he gives us a second encouragement. We find it in verse 5. Verse 5. The second encouragement. You don't listen to, this, to the liars. You have overcome And now you continue to not listen. You have defeated the deceivers and you do not listen to the liars. Look at verse 5 again. They, these false teachers, these false prophets, these worldly people, they're from the world. They're from this evil system. Therefore, they speak as from the world. And the world listens to them. If you're a worldly person, you listen to worldly teachers. If you're still in the kingdom of darkness, then you love the darkness wherever you find it. And you hate the light that exposes you, exposes your sin, exposes your unbelief. If you're still under Satan's command, then you love the temptations that he provides through the media, through worldly people, 
through, you name it, in His world system. Because He is at work in this world. And false teachers are from that world. And they speak from that world. They speak worldliness. He's been given temporary power over this world. And so, His followers, whether they know it or not, they are just pushing out worldliness. Worldly religions. False religions. Deceptive religions. Wide roads under destruction. Blinding people. Holding them captive to them. Not releasing them to see the truth. And the people who belong to this world, they listen to the worldly teachers. We need to make sure that we understand when John says listen here, it's not simply that they allow the words to enter their ears. He's saying listen with the intent of obeying. Listening with the intent to follow. You've heard the expression, birds of a feather flock together. You've heard the expression, great minds think alike. You've heard the expression, like attracts like. That's what John's saying here. The leading birds at the front of the flying V are giving out their call and all the worldly people fly right in behind them, following them, speaking their same language. Christians don't speak that language anymore. Christians don't follow those leaders anymore. They hear the voice of their shepherd and they follow him. Children of God cannot also be of the world and they cannot listen to the world. Can deception happen? Can temptation happen? Can we stumble? Of course. But we're talking about the pattern of one's life. Are you a listener and a follower of the world? Do the fuse of the world, do you find them more agreeable than the word of God? Do you turn to God's word and it's foreign to you? But you listen to someone in a podcast, on the internet, in the, go to a movie, listen to music, and it resonates with your heart. It resonates with your spirit. Do you love what the world says and it does? Do you find its pursuits admirable, desirable? Do you find its people, its, its, its followers kind of fellowship that you want if not praise God praise God if you find yourself listening to what the world puts out and it does not agree with you it causes you to wretch it causes you to turn your ear away it causes you to turn it off it doesn't resonate within your soul within your heart within your mind it convicts your conscience John's saying, be encouraged. Because children of God do not listen to children of the world. Then comes the third encouragement. The third encouragement. And it's the other side of the coin. John simply flips over his encouragement to the other side. We've already defeated the deceivers. We do not listen to the liars. And thirdly, be encouraged. Because you pay attention to the apostles. Verse 6. Look at verse 6 again. We are from God. He who knows God listens to us. He who is not from God does not listen to us. It's simple. But who's the we? That's the key. 
Who's the we? In verse 4, you, the believers. In verse 5, they, the false teachers. In verse 6, we, the apostles. We, the ones writing. We, the messengers of Christ. We, the ones speaking the very, speaking the very words of God. Jesus promised His disciples in the upper room that the Spirit of God would help them remember all that He had said. And that they would be the ones who carried His message to the world, writing it down for the church through the ages. Peter says, this, says to us in 2 Peter chapter 1 that holy men of God were carried along by the Holy Spirit and wrote and spoke the very words of God. Paul says in 2 Timothy 3.16 that all of Scripture is literally breathed out by God. I'm breathing out right now in order to say words. Paul's saying God breathed out His words and men wrote. Every single word in these 66 books are very words uttered by God Himself. Written by prophets and apostles of God. These are not human words alone. They are divine words. They are the words of God as God used the personalities of human men to write His own words. And so the apostles were from God and they spoke God's words. And the children of God listened to God's words. The children of God hunger for the word of God. Like, like a newborn babe longs for the pure milk of their mother. The psalmist in Psalm 19 goes on and on and on. Have you ever read Psalm 19? All 150 verses, I think. All about a man who loved God's word. It was more precious to him, to him than any amount of money. It was sweeter to him than any amount of pure honey or the sweetest morsels of the earth. It was so treasurous to him. Is that foreign to you or is that, is that amen? Yes, yes, I love God's word. It guides me. It protects me. It reveals the way for me. It keeps me from harm and destruction. It keeps me from guilt of sin. It keeps me from death. And ultimately, it reveals to me the glory of my Savior. I see Christ. I see God shining in the face of Christ. I see His holy character. I love Him. I treasure Him. Because people of the world do not listen to God's words. They're foreign. They're foreign to them. This is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2. The natural man does not understand the things of God. Why? Because they are spiritually appraised. They're spiritually considered treasure. And that's only something the Holy Spirit can do within a man. The natural man does not treasure God's word. Do you listen to the words of God as He's written them through the apostles? If you say yes, be encouraged. You're following the Spirit of truth. Be encouraged. You will not be led away from the deceivers of this world. What an encouragement. And John concludes this whole section at the end of verse 6. Look at verse 6 with me again quickly. By this we know the Spirit of truth 
and the spirit of error. By this, what's he, the referent? What's he referring to? All that he said in verses 1 through 6. By all of this, we know if we're following the spirit of truth or the spirit of error. As Christians, we need to be using good judgment. We need to be discerning. We need to be testing what we hear, not accepting everything at face value, holding the message against the word of God. But again, what if I'm already being deceived? What if I've been led astray and I don't even know it? What if I'm following the spirit of error? John concludes in verse 6 by saying, we can know. We can know the answers to these questions. We can know with certainty. People of the world know nothing with certainty. We have the very words of the one who creates reality. So how do we know if we're following the spirit of truth? You confess God's word. We see that in verse 2. We saw that last week. We say the same things that God says. You do not listen to the world. Verse 5. It's become a foreign language to you. It does not resonate with you anymore. You're not tuned into it. And you listen to God's word. That's your frequency. That's what you follow. But what if you have the spirit of error? What if you're following the spirit of error? Then you do not confess God's word. You find yourselves, yourself butting heads with God's word at every turn. You find yourself reading God's word and the plain reading of his word confronts and convicts you. And so you find ways to go around it. You find yourself trying to reassure yourself of a different interpretation or a different way about it. You try to ease your conscience. You do, you listen to the world. That's what resonates with you. Even those who call themselves Christians but are not, they resonate with you. They're bent on the word of God. Their distortion. Yeah, I like that. That sounds right. That sounds good. Because it puts us at ease in the lusts of our flesh. The lusts of our eyes. The boastful pride of life. And you do not listen to God's word. Sadly, these are those who follow the spirit of error. But there's a way out. Repentance turning from it and turning to Christ. Turning to Him by faith. Relinquishing, turning from, throwing this worldliness, these worldly ways far from you. They're deceiving you. They're leading you to destruction. But Christ leads to life. Are you turning to the Word of God, to the Spirit of Truth, to follow the right Christ, the Christ? Are you turning to the Word of God and the Spirit of Truth to have the right friends? Are you looking to the Word of God to know who you should associate with? Are you turning to the Word of God and the Spirit of Truth to have right relationships? To see how you are to relate to your father and your mother? To honor and respect the ones whom God has put over you? To follow their wise counsel? Are you turning to Him for how you are to relate to your brothers and sisters in Christ? Loving them sacrificially. Not taking from them all that you can. 
Are you turning to the Word of God and the Spirit of truth in how you should relate to the unbeliever? Proclaiming the truth to them who are in darkness and under the grips of the deceiver, the murderer from the beginning, who's leading them to their death, eternal death. Are you turning to the Word of God and the Spirit of truth for the right view of salvation? Do not be deceived. No amount of good works, no amount of church attendance, no amount of obedience to your parents externally, no amount of good deeds to your friends, no amount of any worldly, moral goodness is going to make you right with God. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. To present to Him our good deeds as though we can earn our way to heaven is like trying to bribe a judge. Overlook my guilt because I'll present you with this bribe. God will not be bribed. You can only come to Him through His Son who does offer a perfect, holy life. All you must do is turn from your wicked ways, even relinquishing your attempts at good works and putting your faith in the blessed Messiah the true Savior, the good shepherd, the righteous King. Are you turning to the Word of God and the Spirit of truth for the right view of sin? For what the Word of God says about the deeds that you are doing, the thoughts that you may be having, do not let the world deceive you. The world that we live in is increasingly making what is good evil and calling evil good. Turn to the Word of God. Examine your life in the light of its truth and where it shows you your blemish. Run to the Savior. Do not wait. Run to Him. Confess those sins. You remember 1 John 1, 9. Confess those sins quickly to Him. He's faithful and just to forgive those sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. I want to leave you with a quick story about a man who did stand for the truth. A man who did pay attention to the apostles. A man who did not listen to the liars. A man who had overcome the deceivers. A man by the name of Santa Claus. Say what? Yeah, you heard me right. Santa Claus. The real Santa Claus. Nicholas of Myra. A man who lived in the 300s AD. A man who became known as Sinterklaas because Saint Claus, he was a pastor of a church there in Myra. He was the lead pastor of a church of Christians there. And he was known for his hospitality for orphans and widows. And so the tale became twisted that he gives presents to kids one day a year and all that stuff. But he was a real guy who really loved Christ, the true Christ. And he clung to the truth of the apostles. And during his life, there was a man by the name of Arius who began teaching people that Christ was not fully God. He was just a mere man. And so Nicholas, among all the other pastors in the area, came together at a place called Nicaea to determine if what Arius was teaching was true. 
based on what the apostles taught. And in those days, they allowed the false teachers to come to the council as well in order to try to defend their position. And so they were all gathered there. Santa Claus, being a pastor who had suffered great persecution for the truth of God's word, a man who wanted to stand on the truth and had suffered for it, they stood there and listened to Arius. And this is what happened. Listen to the account. Tradition says that Nicholas was one of the bishops attending the great council. As he sat listening to Arius proclaim views that seemed to him blasphemous, his anger mounted. He must have asked himself, did I suffer through all those years in prison to listen to this man betray our Christ? His anger got the best of him. He left his seat, walked up to Arius, faced him squarely, and punched him straight in the face. Santa Claus punched this guy in the face. The bishops were stunned. Arius, struggling back to his feet, appealed to the emperor, saying, Should anyone who has the temper to strike me in your presence go unpunished? Well, the emperor took Nicholas and locked him in, a, in the dungeon of the palace. But by the end of the council, Nicholas was unlocked, and he had got the result he wanted. When the arguments were done, the council rebuked Arius for his unbiblical beliefs. And the bishops drew up a statement that came to be known as the Nicene Creed, which affirms faith in the Holy Trinity and declares that Jesus is of the same nature of God the Father. Christ is fully God. Santa Claus loved the truth of God's word. And he loved the true Christ. He'd be appalled about what Christmas is now in his name. If he was alive today, he'd probably go around punching those people in the face too. Are we to punch people of the world in the face over the truth? Of course not. But may we be Christians who would be revolted at the error that is so prolific in this world today. May we be Christians who stand for the truth of God's word. Christians who pay attention to the apostles' teaching. May it resonate in our minds and our hearts. May we be treasuring it within us that we may not sin against our great God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And it is my prayer that we all here would turn to the one who is the truth with a capital T, the one who is the way with a capital W, and the one who is the life with a capital L, the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us to trust in his words. Help us to discern the lies of this world. And help us to follow him. If any have not come to him by faith, O Lord, repenting and turning and casting far from them their worldliness, their sin, their filthy good works. Would you help them do, though, do so, Spirit of God? S breathe new life into them. And for us, O oh Lord, who are in your kingdom, help us to continue to trust in your truth and to turn to your truth for all matters of life and godliness. 
It's my deep desire, Lord, that you would ground these students upon the firm ground of the word. Help them stand on the truth and be proclaimers of the truth and be bold in the truth. Not ashamed in the midst of a dark, scoffing, insulting world. Let them not be deceived. Lead them not into temptation, but deliver them from the evil one. We pray in your name, O Lord Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to the More Sure Word podcast, the preaching ministry of Pastor Matt Russell. We hope you join us again next week. I'm Riley Whittington, and may God bless you in the true knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ.